Welcome to Flowcast. I'm your host, Jeremiah Washington. We're sharing stories about people changing lives in hopeful ways for the life of the world. All right. Sister Kelly, how have you been? Well, it's been uh, it's been a pretty busy day today in in my life as a hospital chaplain. It's been a very rewarding day. I met a special patient and her daughter. This patient was 103. She just she's very open and just shared a lot of her life with me and uh, it was a very graced moment. Kind of reminded me that God always puts me in places where God needs me. Sometimes I I often wonder, God, why did you have me come to this patient? Why did we spend so much time together? And I just I, I find myself just grateful. So it's been a good day today. That's great. That's great to hear. Good. Last time I saw you around the convent, you were in Chicago High Park. I was. Yeah. Yes. So I've been here in Jackson, Mississippi for just over two years. But the last time I probably just about the last time I saw you, yes, I was in Chicago and I was working on a master's degree, a uh, master of arts and pastoral studies, learning the many and varied skills that allow me to serve God in, in a deeper way to be able to pull from resources in scripture, in pastoral ministry, in liturgy, so that as I function in my role as a chaplain, most importantly, it I think for me, what I've learned from that process is really how to be present to my patients. How do I honor the presence of God in them in this time of suffering in their life or in a time of joy if, I'm, if I happen to be seeing a patient who's a new mom? It's sort of like all the subjects that we learn, they begin to have the face of a person so that I don't think so much about, well, what's the scripture, but how am I seeing the face of Jesus in this patient that perhaps had a new heart valve placed within them, that it's sort of like all this education takes on flesh. I come not so much to know kind of what's going on with the patient, but how, how do we encounter Jesus together? That's interesting that you say that. Could you tell me a little bit how it was beginning being a chaplain? Ah, the beginnings of being a chaplain is a lot of kind of trial and error and really a lot of deep listening. It's good to know how to respond, but equally as important and if not more important to how I listen, that sometimes I have to remember I have two of these and one of these so that I don't respond too quickly to what I may think the patient needs. I always say I learn from the patient. The the patient shows me the way. In a way, I have to let them tell me what they need. And that's hard because sometimes those of us just in the medical field or in, in any kind of helping profession we can want to fix, we can want to make it all better. And oftentimes, you know, I'll I'll hear a patient or family member say, thank you for listening to me. Even as I say that, no, it kind of gives me chills. Like it's such a privileged place to be in, to be able to unite with someone in their suffering. That's that's deep. Uh, I've never really uh, thought about anything like that. You are the youngest sister in the community. <laughs> Second youngest, technically. Technically. Well, well uh, tell us about the, how is that technical? 
Well, um, I think one of our sisters in Peru is about six months younger than me. So I let her claim the youngest. I am probably the youngest in terms of where sisters are in their length in religious life. I do hold the youngest in that case, I guess. But, you know, the longer I've been a sister, the more I realize that it's really not about age. You can probably appreciate this with with your ministry, with our sisters at home at Sacred Heart Convent, that I can sit down with uh, Sister Anne Regina, who's over a hundred, and I can have is an enthralling conversation with her as I can with somebody who's in their 20s. Because I think in a sense, call transcends age. Now, yes, age may make a difference in how late we stay up at night or uh, maybe how much energy we have left by the end of the day. But in terms of what God does with us and through us, God is doing awesome things no matter what our age is. I remember when when I was home for retreat recently, this was what, probably last November. And part of this was just having not been home because of the pandemic. When I walked into Sacred Heart Convent and as I encountered our sisters, I, I said to someone, I can literally feel the ministry of presence. We're all called to where we are and to what we do each day. And we do that to the best of our ability, hopefully with joy most days, whether we're 38, 24, or 102. I wholeheartedly believe that. Yeah, that's that's true. That is true. You said this place makes it feel like home because of that calling. How does it feel to be called where you are now? To be called to St. Dominic's, you know, some days it still makes absolutely no sense, which tells me that this is truly a call from God, not just the next step in life. You know, Jeremiah, just as when when you see me when I come home, as infrequently as it is, there's that sense of welcome, that sense of delight, being called here as I've gotten to know, whether it's my patients, whether it's my coworkers, being in relationship with God and with other real breathing human beings, that relationship grows over time. And as that, as those relationships grow, I come to a sense of being at home, which to me means a sense of being at home can happen whether I'm here in Jackson, whether I'm in Springfield, whether I'm visiting my family in Arizona. We Dominicans sometimes like to call that a spirit of itinerancy. You know, if you think of, if you have an airline um, itinerary that you have different stops on your itinerary. So no matter where we go, whether I'm with our coworkers and my sisters at Sacred Heart Convent, whether I'm here in Jackson, whether I'm up in Chicago going to school or visiting our sisters, we're always at home because our spirit helps us find that sense of home because of who's with us. That is so true. That's so true. Tell me, what was it that really made you think of being a sister? 
You know, um, Jeremiah, I, I must say that there's a certain joy that comes in knowing you are where you're supposed to be and who you are supposed to be. You've probably heard us talk how St. Catherine of Siena, well-known Dominican, always talks of be who you are and you will set the world ablaze. The more I thought about being a sister, and as I would hear others say, you know, Kelly, you'd make a good sister. There was a certain joy that developed over time. I truly believe that being who you are in your role in something as simple as pouring a glass of water, I see that that joy in your eye and that smile on your face. As we serve others to be with the poor, to be with the sick, I would think about, oh gosh, what it, what would it mean to walk with with older adults day in and day out to, in a sense, provide them hospitality. That's what brought me joy. Over these eight years, I've eventually come to figure out well, what in the world does it mean to be a, a Springfield Dominican? The sisters I had encountered, the various co-workers at Sacred Heart Convent that I had met, if this life was anything like those folks, then I said, okay, God, you and I can do this. And I haven't looked back yet. So you've been a sister for eight years? Yeah, going on, yes. Going on eight years? Yep. Okay. I know math wasn't my study, but I think that's about, yeah, about eight years. Can you tell us a little about your transition from Springfield, Illinois to Jackson, Mississippi? Well, the travel from Springfield to Jackson is actually uh, not all that exciting because I-55 is um, rather straight and really flat <laughs> um, other than when you get to wave at some exciting things as you go through Memphis. I mean, somebody said to me once, um, well, Sister Kelly, if you want to see the world, become a sister. You may not see it in style, but you'll see the world. Um, and I have, I have found that to be true. But as far as, you know, moving itself to Jackson has really just kind of been just it's a step on the journey in a, in a very practical way. It meant, yeah, I, I made new friends and made new coworkers. That's kind of how life is. It, it's that journey of you take a risk to follow where I think God is leading me to. And I really have to trust that, okay, God, you are going to do this together. I trust God to help me do this day in and day out. Yeah. What was like one of the first things that showed you the joy and hospitality of being a sister? Mm. You know, I think it was in, um, and Jeremiah, you probably know some of these sisters. Sister Loyola was one of the first sisters I met. I met her at the Young Adult Ministry uh, sponsored by the Diocese of Springfield. She helped out at kind of like a little information table snack and cookies after mass each Sunday. And she was just kind. She had a certain energy to her, still does. And I got to thinking, man, this is, if this is what the Springfield Dominicans are like, I, I think I could, I could kind of be like that. Or I think maybe I am and hmm, we might do well together. I met another sister. She actually played the guitar at the mass and she was even a little bit closer to my age. So I thought, oh, 
well, that would be good. Um, there's others like me there. I met another sister uh, actually where I was working and I thought, okay, these women, I find them with person who need the presence of joy, of compassion in their life. And that's what I saw other sisters bringing. So I thought, well, I think I'd like to do that too. Over these years is how I've connected that's what Jesus would do. It's about being the joy and hospitality that Jesus brought to people that I'm not bringing me, I'm bringing Jesus. And and that has been a, a growing thread over these years. And you can't help but want to be joyful. It takes some work sometimes. It, it's, it's not always easy. But I think that's the that's what makes it joy as opposed to happiness or to just feeling good. Joy is is deeper than that. And I think I see that too in, in our sisters when they're struggling or just not feeling good, that they still can have a smile on their face and maybe crack a joke or something that that's that deep down joy that that I find in our sisters. You had said seeing sisters that were similar to you and you had some similarities. Is that what made you more comfortable with like? Actually, I I don't think that I don't think the similarities was as important as recognizing how the importance of each individual unique person that in a sense, the fact that that we weren't and we are not all the same allows us to be who we are, no matter what kind of, no matter what your age is, no matter what your experience is, because we, we trust each other enough to, to allow each other to be who we are. That's what allows us to be joyful, to, to flourish. Understandable. Go ahead and walk us through a day in, in your life. It could be like from morning to nighttime you know like do you have breakfast before prayers or you know just simple things like that (laughs) Uh, let's see I recognize that I would answer this question probably differently if I was still living in Chicago as a student and as to as to how I would answer that now down here in Jackson the day starts kind of early that might be part of being a younger sister rising at about 5.15 in the morning, still not a big fan. But I do so because our day um, begins in prayer. And we pray together as a community at five minutes of six. And then we go up the hill (laughs) to the St. Dominic's Hospital Chapel, and we have mass together. Then after mass, some of us come home and finally have that very important cup of coffee together, followed by a little breakfast. And then we head off to our ministries for the day. Myself as a chaplain, um, we have a sister who uh, runs, a, runs a community health clinic. Uh, we have some sisters who work in pastoral care at a place called St. Catherine's Village, which is a, a very large retirement community. So we're in our various ministries throughout the day. And we come home and kind of take our shoes off, if you will. And we gather again for prayer of an evening time. After evening prayer together, we will have supper. And kind of depending on maybe what 
day it is or what kind of day it has been. We may gather to finish watching the news. Um, some sisters may kind of linger around the supper table, just kind of chatting about the day. Some sisters may go and maybe read the paper. Some of us just like to read in general. We may have an errand to run. Every once in a while, we'll, this is more probably more on the weekend. You know, we may watch a movie together. It, it definitely varies from day to day. And then usually each of us kind of have our own kind of calming down um, night routine, if you will. And then we begin again the next day. The weekends are a little more relaxed, which is kind of nice. Um, that allows us to, you know, maybe take a, well, this would be pre-COVID, um, you know, take a trip together somewhere, or, you know, take a drive around you know, around a park or like, like many families do the weekends, you're doing your house chores, you're running your errands, you know, you're going to get the groceries, um, just very kind of normal stuff that that routine may get kind of redone if you have an evening meeting or, um, you know, it, some sisters take on even a little bit of an additional ministry. I'm part of an adult group that I help lead scripture reflections with. Um, we have one sister who uh, is part of the local parish's um, RCIA program, so helping men and women become Catholic. And some days we just actually kind of sit down and relax. <laughs> yeah, that was going to be like my next question. For those who don't know how the sisters operate, I was going to say, most people think, you know, there are no, are no days off, ah. which it could seem well, like at times, I'm sure. You know, sometimes um, sometimes we have to choose to make time to relax because we realize that we are not God. We need that time to refresh, to just stop. And, and whether that, that relaxation looks like somebody picking up knitting needles, whether that looks like a couple hours on Netflix, that might be more my thing. Each of us know what that is for each other. Paying attention to that is important because that actually helps give us energy and life that we are then able to give to others. It's also, you know, what other relationships do we have? Certainly being with each other is important, but like for me, I, I have friends from our local parish. Um, I have one friend that she's got a couple of young kids who I just absolutely adore. And um, I enjoy being able to just kind of hang out with them. And, and in a way, I think sometimes that's how we help other people learn what it's like to be a sister because they see that, oh, Sisters actually have friends <laughs> and sisters go to JCPenney's to buy a pair of pants, <laughs> like just very practical things. Yeah. Like you all are regular people. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, and that's what, that's what this podcast is trying to, you know, show the public that doesn't know much about, you know, this, this lifestyle. Uh, last question, but not least, what makes everyday life and community different than family life? Ah, you know, I had a very wise sister say to me, when we say yes to this life, when we, when we make our vows to one another, we don't know who's going to come after us. And we say yes to God and to one another. Whereas 
in married life, you, you choose your spouse. You choose who you're going to spend the rest of your life with. And so to me, that's kind of what makes the yes to religious life and the yes to married life a little different. I like to say, I throw my hat in with who my sisters are now and who we will be tomorrow and the next year and the next five years, 10 years. And I trust that God is going to continue to call all of us. In a way, I guess it's also kind of a, it's how we love, like, all my love doesn't go to one person. It goes to the six other sisters I live with. It goes to the 27 patients that I see today. It goes to the six staff members that I saw today. And each of those persons gets my wholehearted love because I, in a way, it's a privilege. I don't have to share it with just one person or my spouse and my kids. It actually gets to be um, I forget who it is, but there's another really wise person that says, I get to love the entire world. Well, sometimes it's hard because <laughs> we all know we all have folks that are a little more scratchy to love sometimes. But this life invites me to choose that, to say yes to loving that way each and every day. That's a great way to live, spreading the love, positivity mm-hmm. and peace. Uh, well, there, there you have it, Sister Kelly Moline. I'm very honored to uh, do this with you, uh, have you on this podcast. You are, it's very good to talk to you again. It's been so long. Yeah. You know, and, uh, yeah, Jeremiah. Oh, gosh, I miss, I miss you. I miss uh, all of y'all. I ah, see there's the Jackson, Mississippi <laughs> coming out of me. Um, yes, it will be good when uh, we can do these podcasts in person. Yeah. But uh, yes, it's been a, a a joy to share my life and our life uh, with you and all who will join us on this podcast. So, uh, so thanks for having me. You're very welcome. Thank you for listening to Flowcast. Join us next week to hear more stories about people changing lives in hopeful ways for the life of the world. There you have it. Sister Kelly Moline, I'll, I'll see you again sometime. See ya.